I made this and all I have to type in is numbers now. And it's good. I've got an error. I hate Google Sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Google Sheets is a stupid system. Okay, hello listeners and welcome to episode 71 of the Picky Bastards podcast, or more accurately, it's our album of the year episode for 2023. There's an awful lot to get through, um, so I'm not going to speak to these too much, but I'll quickly say hi, Sam. Hi, Fran. And hi, Matt. Hi. You don't want to talk to us. It's a big size. such a delay, man. I'm trying to be quick and you just took two minutes to even say hi. Um, anyway, the way that our of the year episode works is in a, in a couple of minutes we'll all be telling you what our, our album of the year was but we also like to look at some of the ones that have been appearing on a lot of lists from other publications other magazines other, other um, podcasts and uh, and rate them and slag them off so the ones that we have chosen this year are black rainbows by kareen bailey ray that was uh, in the top 10 of riff magazine and the sunday times the greater wings by julie byrne which was top 10 in paste uncut and mojo over Mono, Over Mono with Good Lies, which was top 10 in Rough Trade, Piccadilly Records, KCRW and Bleep. Uh, Rough Trade put Nation of Language, Strange, Strange Disciple at number one. Uh, so we've gone with that. Um, Arm and Hammer with We Buy Diabetic Test Strips, which was top 10 in Rough Trade, Treble, Vulture and The Ringer. And Wednesday with Rats or God, which was number one in Paste and Stereogum. So they're the six albums, and we each have picked an album of the year. The way this will work, there'll be four questions. We'll have a bit of a round robin, 90 seconds to answer the questions. And if it, after one of the questions, one of us can't talk about one of the albums that we've covered, that's because we're probably going to slag it off later. So we'll just get straight into it, shall we? The first question yeah. is, what was your album of the year? Sam, you're doing the timing, aren't you? Yeah. Are you ready? We're going with Matt first. Okay. So Matt, what was your album of the year? So my album of the year this year was Megabog with End of Everything. And so this album is uh, hugely dramatic, atmospheric, full of synth-laden pop tracks. And for me, it's just what's not to like about it. It has this dark yet optimistic undertone for the whole album. Her lyrics, um, if you're familiar uh, with her as an artist, her lyrics have become a lot less obtuse and the music feels a little bit more direct than her previous releases. And as a result, she's made something that's uh, much more dynamic and engaging. Um, and uh, like reading around the album, it seems like there's been some like lifestyle changes that have associated with the, with the release of the album. She's recently become sober and kind of the clarity in the album i guess is being reflected by her own like personal changes in in her life um i really like her voice um and i've always really liked her voice but i feel like the uh drama that's within this album really um reflects and shines um in her voice it's powerful and melodramatic but it can um but it can have the quiet moments. It has these quiet, almost breathy moments, but then it can uh, give way to these really big moments where it has this kind of almost endogenous depth and gravitas to it. Mm. It's a great album. End on. Yeah. Gravitas. I thought I thought I was going to easily be within time for all of these, and I'm mm. not. 
and I never am. <laughs> proven wrong immediately. Okay, yeah. Sam, ready to time yourself? Yeah. Go for it. So my album of the year is Desire I Once Turned Into You by Caroline Polachek. Um, we cover this album on episode 63, and I said in my notes then, if it isn't in my top three albums of 2023, I'll be shocked. And it is at number one. Because I think this album is just outstanding. I think it's an outstanding achievement in pop. And genuinely, no other album this year has come close as being as con- consistently enjoyable and exciting as this album for me. Um, songs like Welcome to My Island, Sunset, I Believe, that they were instant joys to hear. But I think it's like the layered details in every single song here. Stuff like Hope Drunk Ever Asking and Fly to You or Pretty Impossible and they've just this album has just defined my year it has so much going on and it's so daring and exciting and yet feels so easy to love um i think caroline uses her voice as an instrument in this so much more than anyone else i can think of this year um it it's very like choral and very like operatic at times but it also just blends into this production elsewhere. It's it's just amazing to hear. And I think this is just 45 minutes of just chaos, thrilling, adventurous pop music that I haven't been able to stop listening to. Um, it improves with every listen. And every time I do, something new appears. Um, and I feel closer to the kind of chaos of it all. Mm. Yeah. I'm starting to think you hadn't put the timer on then. But... I had. Um, okay. Right. Two down. Go for it, Fran. Go. Okay. So, yeah. So, when the National Surprise announced their latest album, Laugh Track, I jokingly sent a message to our WhatsApp group saying they were about to release the album of the year. Not for a second did I expect that to be true. The other album they released this year uh, was okay. Um, and But despite them being my favorite band, it had been a long time since they released a record that would have been contender for my favorite album of the year. But there are a few simple reasons why Laugh Track has taken my top spot this time. I think it's a huge return to form with some of the best songs in a long time. Uh, and I think in a year with no classic albums, really, that was enough to tip it over the edge for me. It also, it just has my three favourite songs of the year in Weird Goodbyes, Turn Off the House and the title song. So, I mean, how could it not be my album of the year? And I've returned to it more than any other LP in the last 12 months. So, yeah, they're, they're the simple reasons. Um in all honesty, there is a bigger, more personal reason why it took my top spot. Um, and I don't say this with the intention of preventing you two from slating it and slating me for picking it. But um, I, I had a bit of a tough period with my mental health this year for a while. And it just coincided with the release of this album. Um, and there are band whose lyrics have always spoken to me and my mental health. Uh, but there were parts of that, just parts of this album that felt so tuned in and I couldn't stop listening to it. So it's a very personal pick uh, for my album of the year for a few reasons. And when I think back to 2023, it will definitely be the record that stands out. But yeah, I don't want you to let that stop you from telling me how shit you think it is, because I will be doing the same to both of you. So yeah. Don't worry, Sam. Oh, perfect. Smashed it. Okay, well, I'm thoroughly expecting you both to pick the national for the most surprising list topper. So let's go in the order we spoke. And let's go to, let's talk about Megabog. First, can you can you speak about Megabug now, Sam? Yeah, I can speak yeah. about that. Yeah, um, for for me, this is like I I say this a few times elsewhere on other albums that we've done on the podcast, but this really feels like an album that's like not from the, this year. Like it's so out of time. Yeah, and it really stands out on this list. And 
I think in a good way, it pulls from like 70s, 80s, 90s, like house influences. There's some like weird, like blondie vibes and there's like prog rock. And then it's, it's so fascinating as an album, but I think it's really intriguing and it doesn't sound like anything else I've heard this year, which is, it's a good thing. Like, um, I think the synths especially are really like specifically 80s, um, that it, it, it just really spoke to me, I think, listened through. Um, I, I, I find the performances really, really engaging. She's just really engaging as a performer. Um, it's like she's singing from, like, b- like the back corner of, like, a like a nightclub on, like, a mic that's, like, slightly too old. Like, it's not, not quite up to date. It doesn't have this, like, crispness that a lot of the other music that we listen to does. And I think it really works in this. It adds this, like, atmosphere. Um, something like all and everything is just so dramatic and so like over the top and yet the style of the production makes it not feel that way um it could be this could be way overblown this album i think and i think the style choices makes make it so that it isn't um i i personally enjoy the first half of the album a bit more than the second i think the second gets a little little lost in its kind of prog rocky vibes but it's short enough, I think, as an album that if it feels like side A and side B of the same experience. So I do quite, I think it works. Um, but the, the main thing for me is just like, thank God someone's picked an interesting album as their album of the year. Because like me and Fran are like boring <laughs> as hell. We pick like albums we've done before, albums by artists that everyone knows we love. Yeah, you yeah. pick something that I've never heard of, don't know who this is. And it, it was interesting. I Yeah, exciting. It's good. Thanks. Thanks. I got complimented for a pick for once. I know. I have to hold on to that. I'm so very surprised. Well, that's about to end. <laughs> so enjoy it. Go for it. Um, Matt, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm totally lost on the idea of this as an album of the year, specifically for you. I just don't understand where this comes <laughs> from. It does not feel like a you album in any way. Um, it's it, Look, it's by no means a bad album, but I do find it entirely forgettable. There's nothing about it that grabs me at all. I mean, the most complimentary thing I can say about it is that it feels a bit like a budget version of some acts that I do rate, like Florence and the Machine and the Weather Station. I feel it's like if, if something really bad wow. happened to one of them and they ended up working at Butlins, this was what they would be doing. Um, I just don't see the draw. Um, I do feel like every year when we come to do the album of year, I think, oh, what did Matt pick last year and what did Sam pick last year? And, and I, re- I remember. I don't think I'll remember this when we come around to next year's. And I think that's really unusual for your picks because even when I don't like them, like Let's Eat Grandma, I can't forget them because there's something in that <laughs> um, This one's just, it's just, I just find it really forgettable. And I didn't actually mind Megabog's last album. I quite liked it. So I thought, oh, interesting when you pick this, but I, I do not like this one. That's, Sorry. That's, I think, I think this is a big step up from them. Yeah. It's, yeah. Interesting. The, well, obviously, the, it's your album of the year, so I don't yeah. know why I sound surprised, but. Are the, are the last ones worth listening to? I've, I've never heard of them. I think they often have tracks that are interesting, but I think they lean more too more too much into the second half of the album kind okay. of aesthetic. Yeah, where it's a little, I mm. gets a little wishy washy or lost in itself. Um, which is yeah. it's fun, but out a whole album of it with like one or two standout tracks is not enough. Often. Yeah. Um, okay. But this, yeah. Do you, cool. Do you? But anyway, there you go. Do you want to keep talking and speak about Caroline Polachek, Matt? Uh, not yet, no. No? Okay. All right, well, I will then. Um, so, oh, 
you just made me i'm gonna have to be negative twice in a row um so i had to re-listen to what i said when we previously covered this album because i generally feel like i might have been brainwashed before we recorded um the last time i was really positive about it particularly about the first half of the album and i did add it to my you know i, I do a li- every year i like add albums to the list thinking they might be in my end of year list um but when i returned to it after the podcast um it was really the stuff i didn't like and that i mentioned previously that stood out to me i mean i think a bit a lot of it is a mess i think you call it chaos sam i i would say mess i think like the dido grimes moment the idea that an album of the year has that dido I feel the same about that, but I think it works. And I'm shocked. I'm as shocked as anyone. I hate Dido. I can't stand her. I'm appalled. It's such a weird song. But I love that song. I think it's great. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think this album has good moments. I think like Pretty Impossible, Bunny is a Rider, and Blood and and Butter are all really good. But there's stuff across it that does annoy me too. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think. Welcome to my island. At the time, I, I quite liked it when we first listened to it, but I do think it's quite irritating in ways as, as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is going to end up being voted as the podcast album of the year when we get to the end of this episode. <laughs> I think everybody likes it. So maybe we've all been brainwashed. I don't know. But um, I didn't love it going back to it. That's that's all I can really say. That's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. But um, I can you, talk you, about the national. You can talk about the national. I want to talk about the okay. national. I'm going to talk about the national. I've just been horrible to both of you, so please. Yeah, I know. And I was about (laughs) to be nice. I'm going to change my notes. Um, So I've written down that I was going to wait for you because I wanted to know. Yeah. Like I've always been not against the national, like in a massive way. I've always been conflicted by the fact that I feel like I should really like them, and it should be one of my favorite bands because every single act that I do like is like very similar to the national or mm. they pull from them or they have Aaron Desner producing them or they work yeah. with what, whoever, like <laughs> they're so connected to so many artists I like. And yet I've just never been able to connect to them. And I wanted to know what you felt like this was a step up. So you think for you, it's like a return to form. For yeah, me, it's a return to form. Yeah. 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 For, for me, this, this is by far the best national album I've listened to. Oh, like, wow. And I okay. don't know why that is. Maybe I'm just, wow chilled that's not true um maybe maybe i've been brainwashed but i enjoyed this quite a fair bit more than anything else that's not saying a lot like i i'm not this isn't going to be my one of my album of the year but i did enjoy this album a lot it still has the the main problem that i have with the national is that i find matt's vocal performance really off-putting i find him he he just drains the life out of everything (laughs) And I feel exhausted <laughs> listening to him sing. Um, and I get that that's the point. I get that that's the vibe. But the rest of the music is so exciting and detailed and like mm. really interesting that I- I've never been able to look past it before. And I feel like I kind of was able to this time. But then there's other songs like you don't have Justin Vernon turn up and do what you're trying to do but like do it well and then me not think <laughs> he's like a version of you, but like better, like 2.0. I would rather like this album sang by Justin Vernon. I'd be like, this is amazing, amazing <laughs> album. But, and I, I get that it's a personal thing. So then it is his lyrics. It's his story. So that's not the point. Um, mm. 
but yeah, musically, I think there's so much to enjoy. Um, I think some moments maybe lean a little too into that Aaron Desner sound we've heard thousands of times on this podcast at this point. Yeah. But I think there's always something interesting in every song, like something exciting that's about to happen, like a little melody change or new instrumentation. I think Space Invader, the title track, and then mm. I think Smoke Detector, they, those three songs really stood out to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I think I listened What's to that? the other album this year as well, and that one didn't really stick with me. So no. maybe it's just that I, every album of the national that I've listened to has just sounded the same and I've not noticed a difference. And this one was slightly better. Um, I mean, one thing I would say to you, Sam, and this has always been the case with the national is that they are like, I don't think they're a band that if you listen to the album once or even a couple of times, you maybe get anything from it. I do think they're a grower. I'm not saying you're suddenly going to become the biggest fan in the world and love them, but maybe it's just, you got a bit more time with this one, maybe than some of the previous ones. It, they but... still everything I don't like about them is still there. Which yeah, yeah. Is yeah. Mainly well, if you don't like the voice, which like... is totally understandable, I can. You know, I love his voice, but I know that it's a Marmite voice, and that some mm. people won't like it. And if you don't like his voice, then you're pretty fucked with the national, aren't you? But, yeah, yeah. But that was much more positive than I expected from. Yeah, me, so I know. I was nice. So I have a quick question, for Sam. Which have you listened to? the more kind of classic national albums at all. i can't remember what like the old ones are like I mean, boxers, I listen to boxer and alligator the one that's like a face with a mirror what one's that sleep that well is, beast um, is that recent? that's tomorrow will find me the one that's a face no trouble will find me is the one with the face sleep i don't well know beast. so you you can yeah i think you need to listen i to think i've only listened to like the ones that like after they really went big yeah, okay. you need to listen to Boxer and, and Alligator. I think I've listened hey. to the first two or three, maybe. I don't well, know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It'd be interesting to see what you thought of, because this, I, I'm not going to get too much into it, but this is much more like the earlier ones in my, uh, at least yeah, my impression. Yeah, it so, feels like it, it's seen as like a return to form for them, for the fans, the OG fans. They really Weirdly, like an awful one. lot of people this year think that the first one of the two this yeah. year was, was better, and I, I don't get well, that. Maybe, maybe that says more about the recent national yeah, fans maybe. than maybe. anything. Maybe that's the split, and that's why two albums is a good thing. Anyway, should we move on? Um, yeah, now that we've had on. some positivity. Um, okay, so the second question, and we're going to start with you this time, Sam. Yeah. Is which album felt most relevant to 2023 for you? Yeah, I there was a couple of choices I thought of here, but I've gone for, I feel like it's a bit of a weird choice. But for me, I've picked Julie Byrne, The Greatest Wings. Because um, I just feel like music that sounds like this has kind of defined 2023. Um, I think the albums from like Boy Genius, Lana Del Rey, even The National... Gracie Abrams, like th- that sort of sound, I feel like has been inescapable this year. Um, mm. And this feels like to me a very, very good version of that. And this vibe, I quite enjoyed. Um, I I really enjoyed the record as a whole, really. I think it's there's some really beautiful string arrangements and um, on stuff like Moonless. Um, I think the, the really interesting lyrical moments on Summer Glass that are really engaging. Um, and I feel like her vocals throughout are really like haunting and expressive. Um, I love the kind of breathiness on 
flair or hope's return. Um, and it feels like the album does does develop as it as it heads towards like the closing song. Um, it it really reminded me of the uh, Wise Blood record from last year, but more of a kind of current slant on it rather than a an old school sound. Um, yeah, I, I just enjoyed this album really. Um, I think it was a really lovely album to listen to um, and felt okay. relevant to this year. Nice. Nicely timed. Okay, on to me. Tell me when to go, Sam. Go for it, Fran. Okay, so Sam just said this was a weird choice, but I've also chosen Julie Burns' The Greater <laughs> Wings for this one, but for quite different reasons, to be honest. Um, one of them is I felt it really fit into a theme of a lot of other albums I've listened to this year, something I've noticed quite a few times since January. I feel like there were a lot of albums I was quite excited for, ones, ones by artists I thought were going to had potential to release something really spectacular. Um, following their last album. Uh, I'm thinking of Shame, Arlo Parks, The Murder Capital, other ones. Uh, and none of them released terrible albums, but they did release albums that felt like a backward step. And I feel the same about Julie Byrne. I really liked her last album. It's not, it's 2017, which surprised me when I looked it up. Mm-hmm. But when I played this new one on release, I was so nonplussed by it the first time that I didn't listen again. Um, it being picked for this episode did mean that I gave it a bit more time and that did slightly improve my perception. But still, I don't think it really moves her forward as an artist. Um, everybody, everybody else seems to, though, so don't listen to me. Um, but the, the second reason I've chosen it as the most relevant to 2023 is that I've been using a, a meditation app this year, which features a lot of instrumental music, which is scientifically proven to put you to sleep. And I think a lot of the Greater Wings sounds like that music. I think the instrumental song, Summer's End, feels like it's been lifted straight from there. It's the plinky-plonky piano, the long, drawn-out notes, the drifting sounds. I think it's great if what you're aiming for is to get us to lie down, close our eyes and start snoring. But if you want to be engaged by an album, it's less good. I think it's pretty, but it's pretty dull too. Wow. There we go. Nice. Okay, Matt, hopefully you've not picked Julie Byrne. No, no, I haven't. (laughs) Go for it when you're ready. Okay. So I picked uh, Caroline Polachek and Desire, I want to turn it to you. Um, I think this album feels like a great summation of everything that's uh, fantastic about pop music right now um pop is so referential and genre fluid and this is about as catchy and i think commercially successful as that cross genre kind of vibe can get um and it's the album that also i've heard people talk about more than any other when the album of the year conversation comes up it's this one that people are talking about um and it just it feels like she's showing off it feels like she's showing off how well she knows pop music and understands pop music from like the past 30 years and she integrates that all into one album which is very much what pop music is about these days and it's a wonderful step up from what she's done before it's jam-packed full of hooks and it's i i i picked megabog as my favorite but this is the best album um, obviously, <laughs> without a doubt. Okay. That's me. Wow, done. Wow. Okay. Well, we don't, don't need me to whistle. talk about Karen Polachek again, and we don't need Sam to talk about. He's done that enough this year, so I, I'm Matt, gladly to keep going. No, let's no. not. No. Okay. Anything to um, say about Julie Byrne right now, Matt? Sure. Yeah, I I think it's like it's a pretty album, um, but it's also generic. Um, her voice at times, I did enjoy the voice, vocal performance. It reminded me a lot of um, 
the way that Romy sings in some of the excerpts. Mm, yeah. Um, and especially some of the, like, maybe like the third or fourth song, the way it builds up in this kind of almost yeah, yeah. creepy, unsettling way um, reminds me of the XX a lot. And so I like enjoyed those moments. Um, but when it shifts away from that, I, it just wasn't like, it, it, it has this kind of very nice tone and rich atmosphere, but it just doesn't have any flair to it. That makes me like, remember what's going on mm. or remember yeah. the album afterwards. And so I think, yeah, just missing some, something special, some kind of vibrancy, something that just makes it stand out. Um, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. On to the next question then. Um, so, and I'll start us here. So the question cool. is, what was your favorite discovery from the list? Tell me when to go, Sam. Go for it, friend. Okay, so there were a couple of contenders for this, and it was very close, and I'm still not sure I made the right decision, but I have ended up going for Strange Disciple by Nation of Language. I wasn't sure what I thought of it on my first listen, because, yeah, it was definitely felt infectious and definitely felt like an album that could make you move, And but I couldn't shake the fact that it, it is more 80s than most things that came out in the 80s. It sounds a bit like it is the Donnie Darko soundtrack, um, which is not not a bad thing, but it does sound like that. But yeah, in the end, you can't escape the fact that it's just catchy, infectious, enjoyable album with some really great synth pop tunes. I think the opening two tracks, Weaken Your Light and Soul Obsession, are absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think it entirely maintains that quality throughout. Uh, I don't think it's ever bad, though, and I think there are plenty of moments where it is that good. I think Too Much Enough is really infectious a real earworm of a tune with a great chorus i'm making a prediction here that matt probably also really liked this album and may have may have picked it for this because i think um the influence of the producer is really clear and, and he's from lcd sound system um i think he's a big role in making these songs sound so big while also really quite simple and straightforward but but in a good way yeah i, I don't think it's a particularly deep album but i think it's quite enjoyable and addictive and I think uh, as there's a few on this list that will be sneaking into my end of year list, and this is one of them. Yeah, I was a big fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Matt, let's see if my prediction was right. Probably not, but nope, you're wrong. No. Um, it was it was between several, and and okay. you're right, that was up there. But uh, okay. I ended up going for Over Mono with uh, Good okay. Lies, and I really really liked this album. Um, it's had this weird, dreamy, kind of introspective electronic music that at its base, it feels very sparing and precise, but it manages to create something that feels very human and emotional. And it immediately grabbed me the first time I listened to it. And often when I was listening to this playlist, it was actually, despite all the other good music and some of my favorite albums of the year on this, this is the one I was excited to get back to. Um, I think uh, often the vocals are so drifty. It sounds like you're sitting at a table in a restaurant and you can hear all these like little vignettes of conversations from different people. Um, and it's just broadly as an album, it feels just very positive. There are moments that are le- less than positive, but this like good lies is just uh, as an example. It's just so euphoric, and then the also the Terza sample in Is You, like 
it took me a sec to figure out that it was there, but it's a song that I already love and they've made it into another song that I also really love. So um, considering it's a, an album that's almost an hour, yeah. What did you great. say about um, getting within 90 seconds every time, Matt? I was um, four words away. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sam? Yeah. I'll go now. Um, yeah, I, I've i gone with uh, Corrine Bailey Ray. Black Rainbows is my favourite discovery. Um, seeing Corrine Bailey Ray on this in the conversation for Album of the Year has been a massive surprise, I think. And I think that's for a lot of people. When this album came out, the reception to it was so big. Um, but after one listen, I, I it's hard to argue against that, I think. Um, it manages to be such a personal album, but an album that's based on other people's experiences. So there's a way that she kind of brings you into the stories that's so effective on all of these songs. And I I don't think that sort of way of creating music happens anywhere else on this playlist. Um, And I think it's more than just like a left turn for an established artist who, I I think she was often given like a very lazy R&B label or like a singer songwriter label for previous albums. But, this is this really transcendent and really genre hopping. Um, I think like the opener, a spell of prayer is, is amazing. I think the earthy like rock moments on like erasure, um, are so, so enjoyable and so interesting. And she's so dynamic performing it. I think, I think she's, she manages like mold stories of black people and black culture. Um, and pull from all of these genres that have touched those different stories through the years. And I feel like it ends up being such an interesting album um, overall. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So three different ones. Uh, let's go in order that we went for Sam, should we stick with you? Can you speak about national language at the minute? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can talk about this. Um, this is another one that doesn't really sound like a 2023 album. And you touched on that, Fran. It's like very eighties, very like, new wave kind of vibes a lot of the time and it's like it's kind of a refreshing take on the music that could be seen as like dated um and i feel like it's all yes the music is that way but i feel like the mix on the vocals is why it sounds like that um i think a song like soul obsession the way that the the vocals are mixed on that it elevates the whole song so that it isn't just like someone aping music from the eighties. It makes it into a real kind of um, like musical choice. Um, And I, I really enjoyed like the smokiness of the production in something like that. I, for me, the album itself feel ends up feeling quite one note. And I, I don't think, I think it's because there's so much, diverse genre hopping happening elsewhere on this playlist that I think it maybe felt a bit okay this album does what it does well but does it come together as a kind of is the sum greater than its parts I don't think it is it's always good I I don't think there's bad songs on here um I like Sightseer uh and the closer I will never learn is also really good um but it hasn't stuck with me as much as other albums here. Um, even if I did enjoy some of the songs that were on here. Um, yeah. Fair, fair. Matt? Cool. Yeah, I love this album. Um, 
I'll start, start with a, a correction, Fran. There, there is a, the producer is a touring member of LCD. Okay. Um, okay. But he's Bl- probably blame best known. Pitchfork, not me, because that's where I read it. So blame Pitchfork. Okay. Blame Pitchfork. But pitchfork. He, he's from a band, Holy Ghost, which is also on DFA okay. Records, which is their record label. And he's, yeah, been around for a bit. And over the, yeah, it, you can see that their influence is, is pretty strong. Um, but yeah, I, I love the aesthetic. It's aping one of my favorite periods of music. It's all very like, uh, yeah, Human League and New Ordery and Heaven 17. Mm. Um, and it, it, but it refreshes it. I think that Sam's right. The vocals are just uh, ex- exceptionally done. Um, and uh, it, it just contains so much like melancho- melancholy and like this kind of wistful nature over something that's quite jolly sounding the music um and it yeah i think they managed to nail the the tone and the and the um kind of genre that they were going for um and it's it's an interesting point that i've started to think about that sam mentioned is is it okay for an album to be one note these days um Mm. because because everyone's all about genre fusing and blending yes, and mixing and that's pretty cool but um yeah it's I, nice to have I, a consistent album every now and then i think yeah like, yeah an album that feels um feels one one note but in a good way i would say it's like it, it yeah it feels like a piece yeah um i like that yeah but it's okay yeah, i think it's great Brilliant. right should we talk over mono i will sp- start um i don't have an awful loads to say because as you'll probably both know um it's a genre i'm pretty ignorant about so i don't have an awful lot to compare it to but what i will say is that i actually really quite like listening to this album which i think is probably Ooh. a bit of a surprise to both of you um but i found something kind of hypno- hypnotic about it uh, i think for this kind of music and again i don't know a lot about this genre but it felt weirdly gentle um kind of like lulling inviting tone to it that, that i really liked i thought it never really gets too over the top or too full on um and matt mentioned the song with the terza sample um it, sometimes that kind of thing would annoy me pulling from a song that i really like but i think they made a really good use of that song and i, I think that is the best song on this album um so yeah i think it, there was quite a lot that I liked about it. I think there's quite a few moments of beauty. There's some, some real oddness to bits of it as well. So it did kind of click for me. Um, I don't think I'm probably going to suddenly get into this genre or, or, or even listen to this album again, <laughs> but I did really enjoy the time I spent with it and I didn't expect to. So yeah, it was a success for me. Can you talk about it now, Sam? No, I cannot. Okay. Um, uh, Matt, can you talk about Kareem Bailey Ray? Yeah. So this this was again like similar to what Sam was saying. I was I was so surprised when I saw this on the lists. Um and then it became such almost like a novelty for me to uh like when I first listened to it, I was like, what is this album? Who is this? This can't be them. And then then whenever we'd have people over, I'd put it on and then be like, wait for them to ask who it is, so that so that they can be shocked too. because um, it because it was just so fun and different and so much more interesting than maybe what they've done before it like i i have no idea what the back background is but it did feel like someone that had been trapped in in a record label 
or trapped in a record contract making uh, specific types of records and then got to do actually do the thing that they wanted to do because um, it's such a radical change um, and it, there's just so many different different like obviously the most uh, clearly different parts are like the punk rock elements but there's also tons of other like weird and interesting stuff happening within it um so many different genres smashed into the album that um yeah i had a really really good time listening to it um yeah so i i was very pleasantly surprised to dig back into corin bailey after all all these years since uh the, the whatever it is put your record on mm-hmm. there we go okay well while we're talking about surprise let's move on to the the final question which is which album were you most surprised to see doing well on album of the year lists? And we're going to with you, Matt. So okay, when you're ready. So um, it <laughs> will come as no surprise at this point <laughs> that I've picked the national. <laughs> and this this isn't because of you, Fran. It's a, as you said, it's a personal pick, um, which I also did. Um, but it's it's high up on all the lists. And like, there are moments within the album that it seems like they're trying something new. There's some new sounds and things like that. But a lot of the kind of integrations of these new elements sounded forced. Um, And it just feels like the reason that this is at the top of some of these lists is it's more like a legacy pick. It's they're a critic Mm -hmm. favorite. And I know they're also a Fran favorite, but it feels like (laughs) they're... fan base and like the critics need to realize that they just are picking it for nostalgia's sake as opposed to picking it for the quality of the music because it does just sound the same um it's the same same stuff happening we're going through the motions and um it's not my least favorite album at all it's just shouldn't be on these lists fair is that you also why is it an hour long why it's is not it an hour long? long. It's basically an hour long. <laughs> it's like 55 minutes or something. Is it? I mean, it's yeah. it's so good that I don't notice. How long. Oh. <laughs> is that you? Are you done? Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. You beat the re- you beat the clock for the first time, so well done. The second time. Um, right. <laughs> Who's counting? Let's go to Sam. Okay, so it's no surprise after my last question. Um, that I've gone with over mono good lies yeah. is my most surprising. Um, I found this a difficult question because I don't, I, I didn't like absolutely love very much on the playlist, like kind of um, amazing, but also nearly everything felt like it had a place in the conversation. Um, this was the only one that I just struggled to to find that place. Um, I definitely like the album. I just, for me, it didn't feel anywhere near as engaging as some of the other electronic or dance music that's happened this year. Um, so I, I'm surprised that this is the album. It seems to be the only album that is being mentioned at all that is like a dance record. Um, I think like Good Lies and Scold, they're full of energy and they're, they're great. I enjoyed them. But for me, the album just lacks personality or identity. Um, I feel like there's more mainstream artists that are doing more that have more identity to them than 
than is in this. So I'm surprised that this kind of as an album has been picked up because um, I don't I don't feel it's like it, it's fine. This is perfectly serviceable, but I don't see that um, very specific thing that everyone seems to be picking up on. In other ways, I think it's much more consistent, like in terms of the dance genres that are here that are being brought together. I think like if you compare it to... I had loads more to say, but that's fine. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it after I've spoken. So most surprising. Uh, shall I go, Sam? Go, go, go. So easily, easily the Korean Bailey Ray album, Black Rainbows. Uh, fucking hell, it's bad. I think it's the only truly bad album on this list. Wow. Um, so an easy choice. It genuinely just feels embarrassing at times to me. I don't understand what you two are getting from this. I think the overblown guitarist on the opening mess of a song. And worst of all is every time when she tries to be a screamy rocker of some kind, I mean, what the fuck is going on? Erasure is really bad. But fucking hell, New York Transit Queen might be the most embarrassing and annoying song I've heard in a very long time. Definitely this year. I think for this album to be getting such hype and appearing on the list, people must see something in it. And I think she's definitely changed things up from when she was just singing about putting records on. Maybe that's grabbed people's attention. But for me, the only impressive and revolutionary thing about this album is that she's found so many new ways to be totally boring and bland. I mean, even when she tries to be interesting, she isn't. I think the guitars and synths on Earthlings feel like they're trying to be experimental, but it's just a screechy mess. And then the final song is just five minutes of pointless noises. So it's a massive no from me. I do not understand this album at all. And I'm out. Wow. I thought you were going to quite like it. Wow, no, I did too. I do not like it. I think it's. Terrible. I thought it was going to take take all your boxes. No, it doesn't take any of my boxes. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's all good. I thought it was really bad. Um, okay, well, amazingly, we don't. All those last three we've already spoken about on previous questions. So nice. we just have two albums, and I, I will say straight away that I'm amazed that these two albums have not come up in any way. Because there's there's one I'm really surprised didn't come up. Yeah, the two yeah. really interesting albums. I think. Um. I'm going to start with the one that's first. I'm going to talk about Armand Hammer. We buy diabetic test strips. Um, so first thing I want to say about this album, really, or any album that's got Billy Woods or Elucid so involved in it, is that I don't think it's very well suited to our podcast format. I think we listen to a bunch of albums in a really short space of time, and I think this album really needs a great deal of attention. I think it's just so densely layered. It's so packed with ideas. It's so unique. I think we could do a whole podcast just on this album, really. Um, so, yeah, despite feeling that I still don't know it anywhere near as well as I'd like to and that I need to spend more time with it, um, and I think I'll enjoy it more the more I listen, I, I do think it's the best rap album I've heard in 2023. Um, I think it has some really amazing songs on it. I love the weird, dreamy song, the uh, the flexible unreliability of time and memory. I love I Keep a Mirror in My Pocket. It's, like, really old school, really interesting and that my favorite is The Gods Must Be Crazy. I just think that song's so dark and grimy and just really infectious. And yeah, I always enjoy anything that Billy Woods and the Lucid put out, but I always find them a little bit inconsistent. Um, and I did like the last Armand Hammer album, but I think this is the strongest thing either of them have done. Um, I think the strongest moments are, are really, really incredible. Great stories, fresh, unique beats. It could have been my pick for my favourite discovery. And I said at the start when I talked about nation language that it was tough, but because I already knew them, it didn't really feel like a discovery. It just felt like I'd finally got time to listen to an album that I was probably going to like. So, mm. yeah, I was a big fan. Um, and glad we got it on here because I just kept not getting time to get to it. So thanks for picking it, Matt. 
And on that note, do you want to talk about it, Matt? Sure. I think it's far from the best hip-hop album of the year. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think uh, my favourite uh, hip-hop album of the year is definitely JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown. Um, I didn't like is, that. <laughs> I I thought this... I Some of it is... Um, I do like... I have liked some of the Billy Woods and um, mm. Illicit stuff, but it just felt like in this one in particular, they kept like... Their f- flow just kept on feeling like it hit dead ends and at points it just all felt very slow and pedestrian um it just sometimes they it felt too indulgent um that said there were plenty of great moments um uh, i think the kind of deep deep it's almost like deep trance state like of uh empire boulevard is great and i mm-hmm. think um Jungle Pussy's like a really good uh, fit for that song, um, and the gods must be crazy is uh, another. I think another really good highlight with um, LP on it. I'm assuming he produced the beats because those beats have like they feel like him and they have a lot more drive. And I think mm. when they're given that agency, I think that's when they shine, and um, because they don't give themselves that agency a lot of the time. Um, so I think I agree, um, that this format maybe doesn't fit them, especially mm. in the album of the year, because there's yeah. a lot of very high class albums and this just doesn't feel like it fits within it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was a little bit disappointed by it. Okay. Well, you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who are you siding with, Sam? Uh, kind of none of you. Um, okay. this, this, I'm not surprised that this is like an album of the year kind of album that's like all mm. over the list because it feels like that. It feels like the sort of thing that gets a lot of attention. It's like really layered production, fiery like rapping and like quite like venomous at times, but also really detailed at others. Um, for me, I... I think it doesn't really come together as a whole record, um, like a fr- end to end. I-, I think there's real highlights. I think songs, I think Empire Boulevard, um, Woke Up and Asked Siri How I'm Gonna Die, which is a crazy song title, um, and Don't Lose Your Job. I think all of them are really engaging and really exciting. But elsewhere, I just find it gets a little lost in itself. It gets a bit too much, Um there's a bit too much going on sometimes. I think Trauma Mike, I'm, I'm not a fan of the kind of really darker moments like mm-hmm. that. I think I feel similar with Y'all Can't Stand Right Here. Um, it kind of feels just, there's a there's a few too many ideas at times where it's like it, it, it needs a little bit more space to breathe. Um, so then in the end, it I listen to the album and I'm like, it feels way longer than it is. Um, I feel like it outstays its welcome slightly, even though it's like, oh, I think it's 50 minutes. Um, yeah, and I feel like it feels a lot. It feels kind of like it says a lot about the world of hip hop that I think these are the only sort of albums that anyone would be talking about now at the end of year. I do think we're in a bit of a glut of good hip hop albums. Um, I don't know what's happened. Mm. but this year there's very little there's like yeah, no, three totally that, that people maybe be talking about and like i don't think any of them are on my lists um 
And I don't think commercial hip hop is in a very good way. I feel like we've kind of we've kind of passed the like Kendrick Lamar era of like really hot, top quality in the mainstream. Um, mm. And then so it's it's albums like this that are the only place to go. And then I feel like it's not quite what I'm looking for. So yeah, I, I think it says a lot about the kind of wider hip hop world that this these are the only ones that are like even worthy of attention. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of them that get a mention that at the end of the year, I maybe I do shouldn't. Think it's, yeah, shouldn't. And I do personally, I do think this one should, but I, I do. Yeah, agree yeah. That a lot of the time we have these. I mean, what what's like you know the slightly alternative rap i suppose and sometimes it's just there's not much to it but for me i I do think there's a lot to this one but almost i can understand you saying there's too much to it sometimes because it is dense um it would be interesting to do it just as a normal podcast pick with less to listen to and with more time because we've been quick with this playlist as well but um but yeah okay one album less and I'm, I'm really surprised this didn't come up anywhere because yeah. I, I think people, I thought mm. people would love or hate it. Um, I'm going to go, let's start with you, Matt. What did you think of Rats or God by Wednesday? That's a fantastic album. Um, okay. I'm When I first listened to the list, I thought this was like nailed in as, uh, as much as over mono, I appealed to me. This just uh, is so much in my wheelhouse. I thought this was like mm. a lock for position three. Um, and then it's just nation of language Wednesday and this have just, uh, and over mono have been switching consistently about which one I'll pick. And it's just today I picked the other one. Um, it's just, yeah, it's such a good album. Some of the most kind of straightforward American rock I've heard in a while, but not necessarily in, in a, it's not in a bad way. The tones and sounds are all very familiar, but they're put together in a way that is like hugely, hugely effective and really take you along for a ride. Um, And I think it isn't just, when I say straightforward American rock, it isn't just uh, rock rock music. It has that kind of country elements to it and folk elements to it that um, maybe come through strongest on songs like Formula One. and I think it provides a really nice change of pace and change of intensity because the first few songs are just slap you around the head really hard. And I love it, but you can't do that for 45 minutes or half an hour. And so it's really well constructed as an album to take take you, like I said, take you on that journey, take um, not lose you along the way and keep you engaged throughout. So I, I think it's really smartly done very emotional very um um well constructed and uh yeah it was great really really great okay i'm gonna jump in because i feel like my my thoughts are very similar to matt's and i'm not sure sam's will be so yeah i I love this album i think it's incredible um I, i had listened to it a fair few times when it came out um and I could sense I was going to be a fan, but at the time I was just, there was so many new releases and I was struggling to keep up with what I was reviewing and what we were doing on the podcast. So it kind of fell off my radar, which is why I picked it. And, and I'm just really glad to get this time with it. I think it starts quite abrasively, as Matt's mentioned. Um, and I can imagine the opening two songs putting people off. I was thinking about Sam quite a bit at the end of Bull Believer when they're just screaming and everything's really chaotic. I was thinking Sam's going to love this. And probably tell us a story about David coming in the room and telling him to close the door. But um, 
We'll see. But I think that that is just one string to their bow, that that loud, that loudness. I think they do the loud moments really well. But Matt's mentioned Formula One, I think that, and Chosen to Deserve and Quarry. So they can write a really good melodic verse chorus style song as well. One thing I'm surprised you didn't mention, Matt, is that um, the band they remind me of most is, is Big Thief. Um, I think they have yeah. more loud, aggressive moments than Big Thief. But I think it's really clear when you listen to their melodies and the lyrics that they've been they've been listening to Adrian Lenko and, and quite a lot. Um, I'm not saying they're derivative though. I think they use that influence really well, and I think vocalist and lyricist Carly Hartsman is almost as good a storyteller as as Lenka at times. And yeah, I've mentioned a lot of the songs that I really love there, but I think my absolute favourite is Turkey Vultures. I just think it builds so well and, and is yeah. a really good story. So yeah, this one is is going to be in my top top 10 or 20 of the year i think it's i think it's fantastic and yeah really glad to get a bit more time with it so yeah are we going to end you're... on a oh, go on matt i was going to say you're right turkey vultures best song it's uh shambling oh, it's build it. is it. just fantastic yeah yeah brilliant nice to end on an agreement with me and you matt but is yeah. sam gonna is sam gonna ruin it all who, who knows um i i'm surprised as well that none of us picked this mm. for that third question because yeah what it sounds like is that all three of us, it would have been that choice because I, I actually think this is really good. This album. Wow. I, I, Ooh. the first off, I can see exactly why this is the one that's like the most decorated of like, yeah. I think maybe all of it. Maybe I think Caroline is like smashing the number ones on the lists and stuff, but this really feels like this is the one. This is probably the highest pick on like album of the year stuff where yeah. I don't think most people would have heard of it before. Um, but I can understand why, because I think there's nothing as immediate as this album uh, that we listen to on this playlist. Um, mm. And the energy on it is really good. Um, I think, I, th- I think there's songs on here that make so much sense, like a single moments in like a first listen, like I think got shocked and, chosen to deserve i think uh really really exciting first listens and um, but i think it was only as i went back to the album over and over that i f- i feel like there's so m- so much layers to mm. their music and um and i feel like their their true sound is sat underneath that initial listen um i i personally enjoy the not the they're not quieter but like the the less abrasive moments maybe like like i feel like quarry is a big highlight for me um and i did find those first two tracks quite off-putting and i i (laughs) I felt very similar to when we talked about this on the benefits album um, that Mm. we did oh yeah yeah. where i i would not have carried on listening to this album Had, had one of you suggested this to me and i put it on i'd have stopped and then i'd have regretted that because i'd have missed out on and a really, really good album in general. Um, I feel like I understand why those songs are the way they are, but I, I don't know if that second song should be there. I feel like it should be late near the end, maybe of mm. the track list, because I feel like you actually miss out on having the, the closing part of the album feel that way. Um, but yeah, I, as a record, I feel like it is a great listen. And especially with those delicate moments, I think what's so funny is, really really shines on this album um and i think if i'd listened to this a lot earlier um i don't even know when it came out it might not be that early in the year it came out early in the year i I feel like this would have like built up and built up and i'd have really enjoyed it and it could have made Mm. my own list um eventually but i don't know if it will 
Um, but I enjoyed this. I, I did enjoy this as an it's, it's biggest it's surprise of the day. It's worthy. Not that you've enjoyed it, but that you enjoyed it as much as you did. I'd say is my biggest surprise from this. Yeah, episode. yeah. Hmm. Cool. Okay. Well, that is all nine albums. Um, so every year at the end of this episode, we we name a album of the year for the podcast. Uh, we get we each vote a top three, and our two fellow editors for the Picky Bastards website, website Tom and James, also give us a top three. So we're going to tell you all those top threes now, while Sam does some mental maths. And uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to be very hard to name number one this year. Sad, I'm no. sad to say. But um, <laughs> how do we want to do this? Whose list do you want first, Sam? Do we want the other editors? Let's do the others first. Okay. The others. So <laughs> let's start with James Spearing. So James, in position three, had Nation of Language. Nice. In position two, he had Megabog. Ooh, good pick. And in Ooh. position one, he had Caroline Polacek. That was obvious. I just want to point out that James only listened to this playlist once, so don't listen to anything he said other than the nature of language. Um, <laughs> Tom Burrows, our other fellow editor, in number three position, he had Over Mono. Ooh. In the number two position, he had Julie Byrne. Ooh. And in the number one position, he had Caroline Polacek. None of you have heard almost, any music this year. It's almost like I'm right again. Again, two years yeah, on a row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I despair. Um, <laughs> Sam, give us yours. So my list will not surprise anyone. So in third place was Julie Byrne. Um, okay. Second place, Corrine Bailey Ray. And first place, Caroline Polachek. Wednesday, Wednesday would have made the list. And talking about it now, I'm like, probably should be in third place. But I think I'll listen to Julie Byrne more. Um, in the future, Bailey Ray above Wednesday. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Matt, top three. Uh, and number three was Over Mono. Number two was Caroline Polacek, and number one was Megabog. Because I'm the only one without Caroline in my list. Yep. Um, Maybe that means you're wrong about something. Whatever you do doesn't change anything. Yeah, so none of mine can have an effect on anything. <laughs> none of mine can do anything because you didn't pick any of them. Um, okay, number three <laughs> for me was National Language. Number two was Wednesday. And number one was The National. Nice. Can you give us a top five, Sam? Or? I mean, top five might be a stretch because there top isn't three? really that many. But, um, top three? Yeah, so the well joint third place is the national oh. by by default S- snuck in there and uh, <laughs> and Julie Byrne. Okay. Uh, number two is Megabog. What the Woo! fuck has happened? And number Woo! one is Caroline Polachek yeah. <laughs> with eleven oh, wow, points. Wow, wow, wow! <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like that's a big win for me. Yeah, Megabug and Caroline Polachek right. were in the bottom three alongside um, Kareem Bailey Ray for me. So um, wow. I just want to apologise to our listeners and just say that they're all wrong. No, but no, don't we are still a good podcast. Fran. Fran has hijacked <laughs> this, and yet yeah. again, proven to be wrong. He's, he thinks yeah, he's in a, We're a democracy here. We're not an autocracy. Yeah. 
fuck that. Frank, you aren't a dictator. <laughs> None of you even understand the rules of how this podcast works without me. No, so, it would you collapse know. without you. You know that. Anyway, okay, Carolyn Polachek. Um, usually I tweet quite, quite vigorously about who's won her out of podcast album of the year a couple of weeks after the podcast comes out. I, I might do that. Depends if I can be asked. We'll see. But anyway, good list. Let's talk about the Let's have a quick... What In general, though, I did really think this was a good list. Um, I think we've had a few years where the album of the year list has been a bit of a disappointment. I, by the I don't time think there was any and... stinkers. There was nothing that was like... Yeah. No. Can, I mean, you you disagree with that, but I in general, I feel like every single album on here was good. If not, I do think there's only one stinker. I do think Kareem Bailey was the only, you know, even <laughs> Megabog and Caroline. That I just I don't see them as albums of the year. I don't think they're bad albums, but I don't see them as albums of the year. But um, I did think it was I did think it was a really good list, like yeah. three or four that I really liked that were new newish to me at least. What about you, Mark? Especially- Especially, especially considering we've, as a group, bemoaned this year and the mm. uh, quality of the year. I think this yeah. is one of the best album of the year list we've uh, ever yeah, I'd had. Agree. I'd agree. Um, so that was a nice surprise. And there's a yes. lot, a lot of new albums for me that um, I hadn't listened to before this, and would I put in my end of year list okay. playlist? Um, nice. So, yeah, very good, very good, very happy. Happy days. Well, we can agree on that one thing today, that it was a pretty good list. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's our Album of the Year podcast. We we normally would now tell you what we're going to be doing for the next episode, but we don't know because we're recording this at the start of December. There's no albums coming out other than Cher's Christmas album. Um, so <laughs> we'll be picking some new releases at the start of January and we'll be back with a new episode towards the end of January. We'll, we'll announce what we're going to cover on Twitter, etc. But um, But other than that, Thank you for listening today. Don't listen to Caroline Polachek. No, dear, it yeah. is decent. It's just not don't as decent as these little things. But yeah, thanks for listening and thank you. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.